0: 12, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 10. So let's stand together as we read that, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, and there was a famine in the land, and and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah his wife, behold now. I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is my wife, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen, and he asses, and men servants, and maid servants, and she asses, and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidst thou, She is my sister? So I might have taken her to meet a wife, now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. The Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Let's pray, Lord, we love you, God, we thank you, Lord, for the day you've given us, for the privilege that it is to serve you, to be under your word tonight. Lord, bless this service, be with me as I preach, as this in Jesus' name, amen. There's a group of people once asked what their definition of faith was. And one person said, faith is taking hold of God. Another person said, faith is holding on to God. And the third said, faith is not letting go. And all three of those things are true concerning faith. And we look at Abraham and his life, and we just looked at the beginning of chapter 12 last week, and we saw that God promised Abram, And we see he clearly received the promise of God in his life. And God told him, I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. There were going to be a lot of things happen for Abram because of this new promise of God. And there was a guarantee given to him. It wasn't, I'll do this if you do this. It was, I'm going to use you to be the father of many nations. I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless your people. And now we see his first trial come. You know, Abram was given this guarantee by God of blessing. He's given this guarantee of God by his presence. And with that guarantee, Abram didn't know God as much at this point in his life as he did in the middle of his life or the end of his life. But what was needed from Abram was faith to do what it is that God told him to do. And faith that God was going to be a God that kept his promises. And And we look at Abram in this point in his life and he was not a perfect man. He was a sinful man just like we are. And Abram at this point in his life is learning how to have faith, and he's learning who his God is each and every day more and more. And I'm thankful tonight that the Bible doesn't hide the sins of man. I'm thankful that as we look at the Bible, we don't just see a book of perfect people that did everything that God told them to do at the time that God told them to do it. We find people just like us that made mistakes, that had the promises of God just like we do, but didn't always have the faith God uh, asked of them or they, that they should have had in God. And they're, they're really, as we look at the world at this time, there wasn't too much of a spiritual worldview. You know, his response to God in this, this chapter of his life was, was one of a person that really didn't know God very well. And You know, he had recently left idolatry. He's learning to trust his God and his life. He's learning... His faith, he was driven by his own appetite, by what he thought was right. And he's still on this journey from unbelief or lack of faith to faith. And as we look at what happens, we see here at the beginning of the chapter, God's promises. We see Abram hearing those promises and and finally stepping out and heading to the promised land and, and stepping out into Canaan and seeing the land that God had promised and all that came from it as he was obedient to him and right away, it's a difficult task, a difficult trial. Excuse me, right off the bat in Canaan. Says so we look at this trial there in verse one, in verse ten. Excuse me, it says, and there was a famine in the land. And if you look there at the end of that verse, it says, for the famine was grievous in the land. He's arrived at Canaan. He's lived there. He's pitched his tent. He's where he needs to, where he needs to be. He left everything behind from where he was there in. Er, and he's now there in Canaan, right where God told him to be, and God said, I'm going to bless them that bless thee, I'm going to curse them that curse thee, I'm going to make of you a great nation, your name's going to be great, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, and then famine came. This fruitful country that God told him was his, that God had led him to, was now barren, and not providing him what he expected it to provide for him. And it appears as we look here that this famine that they had in Canaan wasn't happening anywhere else. Other nations seemed to be okay at this point. In particular, Egypt was a place that was thriving not too far away from where he was. But the place that God gave him was running dry. The place that God gave him wasn't giving him exactly what he needed. This is a big trial to Abram, and he had made the choice to lead his family out there. and He'd taken everything that he had. All, All the people that he cared about were there with him. You know, God told him he was going to bless him, but God did not promise him it was always going to be easy. God didn't tell him it was always going to be plentiful. And we look at our life and we understand the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Even the people that are choosing God, even the people that are doing right, there's going to be afflictions. There's going to be trials. There's going to be difficulties. We look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I love the wording there. And every time I read that verse, I, I kind of have a smile on my face thinking uh, of, of the people that Peter was writing to. It sounds almost sarcastic as he's speaking to them. He goes, when, Christian, when difficult times come, don't be surprised by it. Don't don't think, I I thought I was a Christian, everything's going to be okay. He says says here, don't think it's strange. Don't think it to be a strange thing because things aren't going well for you. That is life. God God hasn't promised us that it'll always be easy. God hasn't promised us that there will not be any trials or there will not be difficult times. So what we need to do is expect trials. Expect temptations. I I don't think there's anybody in here since they've been saved that hasn't had a hard day. I don't think there's anybody in here that hasn't had a temptation lately. Don't be surprised when they come. Sickness is going to come, trouble at, at, at work, conflict. Something's going to go wrong with your house from time to time. Your, your children may need some help or some extra attention, or that you may struggle as you're, as you're just burdened to be the mom or dad you need to be. There's going to be car troubles. It'll be a hard time at, 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 with uh, friends, family. Afflictions are going to come. Don't be surprised when they do. So the question is not are, are difficulties going to come, but the question is how are we going to respond when the difficulties come? Now, the book of James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation." For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So it doesn't say blessed is a man that doesn't have temptation. It says blessed is a man that endureth temptation. So we need to understand temptations, trials are going to come, but how are we going to respond? You look at Abram in his life here, a a great famine came, a great trial came, a great time of uncertainty came. What was his response in this trial? Well, the first thing we see he did is he took things into his own hands. We see, we see this great change of direction for him. So we, we see there in verse uh, 7, 8, 9, Abram was there in Canaan, exactly where God wanted him to be. And it says he journeyed going on still toward the south. He's there in the southern part of Canaan. He reached where he needed to be, and now there's a great famine in the land. And Abram sees it's a little difficult. His cattle's not doing so well. His, his wife is hungry. He's hungry. He's looking at uh, the future. It doesn't seem too bright. He's not sure how he's going to make it. So what does he do? Does it say he prays to God and asks him for help? He builds an altar and he begins to ask God to help him. What does he do? It says there in verse 10, And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. He left the promised land that God gave him and went to Egypt. We know a little bit about Egypt. We understand later on in history what it was like. It was really no different here at this point. Idol worship, many false gods, many wicked acts going on in that place. Where did Abram come from before this? A thriving place monetarily. A lot of crops, a lot of good trade going on. But it was a place full of wicked acts, wicked living, idol worship. And he goes from where God told him to go, where God promised him he would bless him, to a place just like where he went from, came from before. You know, when a believer leaves Canaan, the place of victory and blessing, to go to Egypt, the world, it will always lead us down. He left the land of promise that God had for him, and the land of Canaan represented God's best for Abram, where God wanted him to be. It was where he was supposed to be, and I want to tell you tonight: there's no place more precious than where God wants you to be. We look at Joseph and everything that Joseph went through, and we could look at his life and think, "Wow, what a hard life he had!" Falsely accused of things, put in prison, sold into slavery, beaten by his own brothers lied about, never never looked for, all the things he went through. And at the end of his life, he said there in Genesis chapter 50, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for what? Good. Now, Abram had this horrible thing happen in his life, but I can't help as we read this to think maybe God had something great for Abram at this, this early stage in his walk of faith with God in terms of provision. But Abram never got to see it, because as soon as the famine came, he left and went to Egypt. Yeah, you know, I, I think about hundreds of years later with the Israelites there in Egypt as they as they escape, and God let them go through the plagues and all that He did, and what happens when they get to the Red Sea? The enemies behind them approaching them. The there's there's other nations there to the north. Their only choice is to be killed there or to somehow miraculously be able to cross a great body of water and what happened the red sea parted they get a little little ways past that they grew thirsty and god gave them this bitter water that they were a little surprised by and he made it sweet later on he gave them food provision in the wilderness what do you think god would have done for abram if he would have just simply asked and and as we look at that in, in terms of us tonight what blessings What power or work of God have we missed out on because we left a place of victory for the world? Or we fled in a trial to take things into our own hands or to find our own solutions instead of having faith in the God who has led us to that place. Abram Abram missed out. He left the land of promise. He missed a great opportunity for growth in his life. I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 17. Now this famine in Canaan was not a punishment for sin. Abram hadn't done anything wrong to this point that we know of. It it was most likely, it was rather a test of faith for Abram. Abram left God's best and ran away from God's test. I want to tell you tonight, real faith will always be tested. We're here in 1 Kings 17 and we see the story of the widow of Zarephath. There was a famine in the land at that time. This woman was uh, almost out of uh, meal. She was almost out of the oil that she needed to uh, be able to survive. And Elijah knocks on her door because God told him to. And he asked this widow to give him the last of her meal and to use the last of her oil to make him some bread. And what did he tell her? He says, if you do this for me, if you make me meal first, give it to me, not for you, not for your son. Let me eat it and God will provide She acted in faith, and what happened? God blessed. And she had as much oil as she needed, she had as much meal as she needed, until as the promise was, until the rain finally came back again and the famine was over. You know, Abram chose uncertainty of Canaan over the abundance of Egypt. And as we look at our life, stay there in 1 Kings, we're going to read a verse here in just a minute. When testings of faith come, are we determined to trust God, or are we going to run and take things into our own hands? You know, we don't know what he missed, but as we're going to look at the rest of the story in just a moment, we're going to see there was plenty of problems in Egypt for him. He went to the land of plenty, and there was trouble there. I want to tell you tonight, the best place to be is where the Lord places you, even if It's difficult. You know, before Elijah went to this widow of Zarephath, there in verse 4, God God told him something. He said, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Nobody had food there, but he says, you go to the brook, and I'm going to have the birds bring you food, and you drink some water, you'll be okay. He said, they're going to feed thee there. Look at verse 9. He said, arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Those theirs had a little bit of uncertainty, didn't they? I've never had a bird bring me food. I don't know if anybody here has. Yeah, there you go. You know, if I, if I was hungry and I, if I was in a place where people were starving, I'd, I'd have a hard time knocking on the door of a, of a lady that really wasn't able to help herself too much and tell her to give me everything she has. <laughs> the there that God had for Elijah wasn't the most comfortable of situations. But there is exactly where he needed to be. And it was there that God did some amazing things for him. If you're in the will of God tonight, you are in your there. And we need to make sure that when we are in that place, that no matter what your there may look like, that you stay in the will of God and you trust him to provide and you trust him to help. There is where you need to be. So we see Abram taking things into his own hand. We see this change of direction. Secondly, we see dishonesty. We look here at verse 11. It says, And it came to pass when he was come near into Egypt that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Goes, Sarah, you're a beautiful woman. It's, why, it's one reason I, I, I loved you from the moment I saw you. And we're going to get there to Egypt and there's going to be other men that think you're a beautiful woman. And they're going to see you, and they're going to want to kill me and and take you for their wife. So what you're going to do is you're going to tell everybody that you're my sister, and maybe because they like you so much, they'll they'll treat me okay, and we'll, we'll make it here until we're able to go back to Canaan. That is the plan. He immediately, instead of trusting God again here in the situation, he came up with this lie. It's a sad day in the life of a Christian when they turn away. From the truth of God and turn away what they know is to be right to embrace a lie. And as we look at Abram, we we can learn from this mistake that he made. We all have those those times in our life where we may try to deceive ourselves or we may allow a lie to come in our hearts to try to justify things that we do or justify choices we make or justify or or, or just to lie to allow certain things in our life, and it's a sad day when that happens. And Abram told this lie, and he asked his wife to to lie for him as well, and they began to live the lie, and then one lie leads to another lie, to another lie, to another lie. We can look at David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. When he was up on his roof and he saw a woman that he wanted. And we see adultery happen. Then we see a cover up where he makes it; uh, he he tries to get his soldier to come home and they can they can spend the night together, and because she's uh, she has a baby, trying to cover it up that way. That man had integrity and decided not to do that because the battle was still going on. And then we see him sent to the front lines, and David ended up murdering him. The lie continues to a point to where the prophet Nathan comes to David to tell him of his wrongdoing, and David did not understand it until he was pointed at and told to the face of the wrong he'd done. Those lies led to more and more and more lies to where he had deceived his own self. If you look at Abram in his life, Abram believed the lie. He lived it. He actually had more trust in the lie than he did in his God. Because he was worried that they were going to kill him. But we look we, we, we look at everything that happens here in this chapter. And he was worried about things that would never happen. You know, he, he could not die because God's promise to him hadn't been fulfilled yet. What did God tell him in verse 2? I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. God had plans for Abram. God, that was an absolute from his God that it was going to happen. So there's no way that Abram could be killed in Egypt because we have a God who cannot lie and God, God's promise had not, be, be, had not been fulfilled yet in Abram's life. But that is always sin's way. You know, we can look at Genesis chapter 3 and we see Eve. She sinned because she believed the devil's lies more than the words of God. We look at Peter and Peter fell because he believed his own lies more than he believed the warning from God. We see this wrong direction for Abram, we see the lie that, that came from him. And the other was the other decision he made is he just he just forgot God. If you look there in verse ten, as the famine came, he just left and went to Egypt. We don't see him getting to Egypt and, and looking to God for help. We don't see him asking God for wisdom. We don't see an altar built. We don't see any prayer happening. We don't even see him asking God, God, why have you allowed this place that you've sent me to, to be to be barren? He just left. He completely failed to trust God in this situation that came in his life. And then we see him continuing not to trust God further as he's thinking, they're going to kill me. But there's no children yet for him, for his wife. No descendants. If he dies, God is a liar. But Abram, at this point in his life, was not convinced that God was in control. There's no faith in God's promises. All there is... Is doubting. I want to encourage you tonight that we should have faith in God no matter if we are delivered or not. If things are good, have faith. If, if things are bad, have faith. If you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed, continue to have faith. Oswald Chambers, he said, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. You know, Abram had a choice here I can stay where God wants me to be or I can leave. And what did he do? He left. So we see the lack of faith here and the choice he made. And now let's see the disaster. Of his choices. What came from his decision? What what comes from our decision to leave where God wants us to be, to leave our there, and to go to Egypt? First thing we see, there's great potential for damage. Look at verse 15. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen, he asses, men servants, maid servants, she asses, and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. This decision that Abram made, the lie that he told, all that they came up with at this point, had the potential to cause others to fall, not just him. You know, Pharaoh was very close to making Sarah his wife. Very very close to defiling the woman that God chose to, with Abraham, bear the descendants that God would make a great nation with. You know, when a believer goes to Egypt spiritually, it causes others to fall away or stay away. When we choose to stop trusting God and when we choose to go away from the things of God to another place, our lack of faith can have a severe impact on other people. It could hurt our family. It could hurt, it could hurt our, our spouse, our son, our daughter, our husband, our wife. It could hurt other church members. It could hurt friends. And Abram's sin brought hand of judgment on Pharaoh, who in his eyes hadn't done anything wrong. He was, he was treating Abram good. He was, he was trying to do things the, 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 according to the, the way that the Egyptians had done them. God brought a great plague on him and his house. More than just Pharaoh, Pharaoh's house was plagued. It would be a shame if our sin caused someone that we care about to never live for God. There's great potential for damage to happen. Luckily, not too many things did for Abram. But it not only had great potential for damage, but it left a bad testimony. After, the, after this happens, Pharaoh didn't think he was doing anything wrong, and all of a sudden there's a plague in him and his house, and verse 18, it says, and Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidst thou she is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now therefore behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way. Get out of here. he is told by Pharaoh take her and go he's literally kicked out of the world by the world you know lost people never forget that ruined testimony you know they may not remember or recall the good things you said or the good works you did but they will never forget your failures we can look in the Word of God. What what gets more airtime for the life of Peter? His preaching at Pentecost, where thousands of, were saved, or his denial of Jesus? What about David? I, I love the story there in the cave where he chose not to kill King Solomon, King Saul, excuse me. Does that get more more talk for David or David's sin with Bathsheba? Instead of bringing the light of the one true God to the darkness of Egypt, Abram only brought more darkness. He he wasn't a light, he wasn't uh, the salt as we look at in the New Testament that he should have been. You know, when we leave Canaan to go to Egypt, we cannot be what God has called us to be. And it's a tragedy when believers leave the world worse off than it was when they found it. I, I just read this today, Gandhi. He said the reason he never became a Christian was because of other Christians. Turn turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. When we leave Canaan, when we walk out of Canaan and into Egypt, we cannot be what God has called us to be. And we look in Matthew chapter 5, what has God called us to be? Matthew chapter 5 verse 13, it says, "Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Salt is supposed to have an impact on whatever it's used with. And if it doesn't impact the food you're tasting, if it doesn't preserve the things it was intended to preserve, it's no good. It needs to be tossed out. The Christian that's not having an impact on the world is no good. Isn't doing what it was intended to do. Verse 14, ye are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Our light is supposed to make a difference in the world. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. If you put the light under a bushel, it's not doing any good. What does the children's song say? Hide it under a bushel? What? No. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to do. Salt and light. Making a difference. Having an impact. But it's a tragedy when believers leave the world worse off than how they found it. Don't need to stop. Joe DiMaggio, late in his career, the Yankees were comfortably in the pennant race. And he was asked why he continued to play every day and play so hard. And he said this. He said, because there might be somebody out there who's never seen me play. And for the Christian, we should live every single day. As if someone will see Jesus who has never seen him before. We should live every single day as if someone will never see a Christian again in their life. To keep our testimony, to be salt, to be light. You know, we see Abram's choices here. And it's, it's not a great look for him this early on in the story of Abram. The first testing that came along in his life was not to go to God but to go to Egypt. But as we look at this story, we see, we see Abram's mistake, but we also learn something about God. And even in his disobedience, even as he left where God wanted him, God was still faithful. Look at all these choices he made he left Canaan, he lied to the Egyptians. He forgot God's promises. God could have wrote him off at that moment. And as as we read this story, the end of the life of, of this man named Abram, we could have learned from this mistake and continued on the story another way. But what did God do? He protected him. Protected his wife. He blessed him. Let's see, what does it say here? Abram left from a famine land here in, here in verse 10 and 11. And look what it says in verse 13. And Abram went up, in chapter 13, excuse me. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had in lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. That wasn't the case before he went to Egypt. Everything that Pharaoh gave him, he left with. God God blessed him even when he was out of the will of God, even when he was doing something that God did not want him to do. He was very rich. Those promises God made to him, not too long before, those remained. I want to tell you tonight that God is worthy, God is faithful, and he is worthy of our trust. You know, Abram got into a terrible bind because of a lack of faith, but God still blessed him. Abram chose not to trust God at this point in his life, not to even ask God for help, and God still blessed him as he made mistake after mistake after mistake after he almost ruined everything. God still blessed him. And what did he do at the end of this? He learned that God was in control at all times, and he needed to trust God no matter what, and that's exactly what we need to do. If you're in a trial tonight, trust God. Maybe you're in a situation tonight and you don't see a way out. You don't understand how this can turn out good for you. Remember his promises. There may be someone here tonight that's tempted to go to Egypt and to get what they need. Understand the consequences of that and then trust that God's way is better. Let's look at Genesis chapter 26. We're, we're almost done here in just a couple more minutes. Genesis chapter 26. It says years and years later, we're in the life of Isaac now at this point. It says in chapter 26, verse 1, and there is a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. A famine in Canaan just like there was years ago for Abram. And Isaac, Abraham's son, went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Don't make the same mistake your father did, just stay here. Sojourn in this land and I will be with thee and will bless thee for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Isaac was about to make the same mistake his father made and God came and he said, stay here, I'll take care of you. Stay put and trust my promises. You know, in the end, Abraham learned to trust God. And that's exactly what God reminded Isaac of as you're still there in Genesis 26. we look at Abram here in chapter 12, we see his mistakes, we see what he did. How could God possibly ever view Abram highly again? What does it say there in verse five? Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God in his grace kept every promise and used Abram just like he said he would. So trust God in his promises. And G. G. Campbell Morgan was a, a great man of God. Many books, commentaries, many quotes from him. But he was a young man and he, he visited two elderly ladies each week and he would read the Bible to them. And he read Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where it says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And he looked at those women and he said, isn't that a wonderful promise? And one of the ladies looked at him, and she said, "Young man, that is not a promise, it is a fact. I want to tell you tonight, all of God's promises are fact. If God has told us in His word what He will do, we can trust He will do it. So trust God, trust His promises, and understand His will is the best place, even when we can't see." how things could possibly turn out good for us. God's promises remain. He will provide. We need to trust him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Abram left Egypt, and he he went back to the southern portion of Canaan, and we, we look there at the next chapter. We'll see it next week. He left. He went exactly where God wanted him to be, and God blessed. But where are you tonight? Are you in Canaan? Are you positioned in the place where God's blessings will be there? Do you have that victory do you Do you have a testimony to the fact that your God is good or have you gone down from Egypt? All it takes for us to get to Egypt is a little bit of compromise here and there, and before we know it, we are miles away from God and the